Hello swimmers and welcome to Torpedo Swim Talk. This episode marks our 40th podcast release and comes on the tail of International Podcast Day and hitting 7,500 downloads this week. Many, many thanks to you all for listening and following the pods each week. I'll be having a small break after this season two finale, but we'll be back bigger and better for season three in a few weeks. In the meantime, I wanted to highlight a few wonderful things that have been happening in the Masters world over the last few weeks. In the Southern Hemisphere, up on uh, the sunny coast of Queensland, the Noosa Masters held their long course meet and past podcast guests Jane Sadler and Jennifer Campbell were on fire in their respective age groups. Also on fire in the 100 freestyle with a blistering 58.97 was Ben O'Connor from the Queensland Uni Masters. Great swims, everyone. And over in the Northern Hemisphere in the UK, John Cunningham from Air Lingus Masters threw down a 27.9 in the 50 fly at the Barnett Copfield short course meet in the 50 to 54 age group. Amazing swims by everyone back racing and it's great to see all these meets up and going again after COVID. And our set of the week is from Kit Sanders from Florida. Kit's a master's coach and swimmer and was happy to share her short course meters workout with us today. After a mixed warm up, her main set was 15100s freestyle, one to 10 at two minutes, 11 to 14 at 150 with fins and paddles, and then number 15, no gear, flat out, 60 seconds rest, and another flat out 50 metre sprint. Thanks for sharing, Kit, and to all our listeners, keep sending in your sets to get featured each week. And without further ado, today's guest on the podcast is British master swimmer and sports psychologist, Helen Davis. Hey, Hi, Helen. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. And the, hi, Danielle. Thanks very much for having me. You're welcome. I can see you've been for a swim this morning. Where, where, did, uh, where did you go for a dip? So I'm based in Cambridge in the UK, and uh, we're very fortunate that we have a Lido, an outdoor pool, that's one of the longest Lidos in Europe at 91 metres long. Oh. So I was swimming in there this morning. Oh, wow. Is that chlorinated or freshwater or...? Yeah, no, it's 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 chlorinated, uh, but it's not heated. So um, they've actually extended the hours so that usually it's already closed by now because it's getting cold here. But um, they've extended the hours because so many people wanted to swim through the winter. Right. Amazing. Wow. And is that where you train um, most of the time or is that just with pool open water pools being open at the moment or where do you sort of base yourself for your master's training? Well, usually I am in a in an indoor swimming pool just locally to me um, at a, a local school. There's a pool there, but I have actually been swimming outdoors in the Lido all summer. It really stemmed from, you know, the pools being shut in lockdown and then there were sort of restrictions in terms of, you know, who could go. Uh, the lanes were quite full. So I actually ended up doing a lot of my training um, outdoors in this 91 metre pool, which had its challenges. Um, but, you know, the, the, the weather was quite warm and and, uh, and I had some really good sessions out there. And it's so beautiful going down first thing in the morning. The sun's coming up. Um, there are trees surrounding the pool. And it, it's really beautiful. So I've, I've really, really loved it. And I've actually found it quite difficult going back into an indoor pool um, in September. Yes. Yeah, I bet. What's the water temperature in the Lido? Uh, it was 16 this morning. 
Okay. Um, 16 degrees, which um, I've I've just found I, I struggle doing any length of time at swimming front crawl, particularly in that I start to sort of get slower, slower and slower, which, <laughs> which I put down to the cold, not my ability. Um, uh, so I, I actually wore a wetsuit for the first time today. Um, I haven't worn one at all. Um, and it meant I could, yeah, I didn't get too cold, so. Yeah, well, it's, it sounds good. <laughs> Coming into <laughs> uh, an English winter, though, you will need to move indoors, I suppose. Well, it's funny you say that because actually I became a winter swimmer last year and I swam uh, in the river in Cambridge um, once a week throughout the river. I, I would certainly say it was not what I call swimming. It was more of an experience. Um, but uh, I have got yeah quite used to cold temperatures, which is something I never, ever thought I would do. But it was um, actually a wonderful thing to do with lockdown going on. And, uh, and something that I would really recommend to people to try um, because I would never have classed myself as somebody who would ever do something like that at all. But I think with, you know, the COVID situation that we've had, it was like, OK, God, why not? I'll try. Let's do something different. And I got so much out of it. Um, it really was a, a great experience. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, it's exploded cold water swimming over this COVID time with people trying to find other bodies of water to swim in. And, um, you know, it's just, I love reading all um, people's sort of um, experiences and the euphoria that they feel just through having that mm. cold water swimming. I think, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure I would describe it as euphoric for me. <laughs> some, some people I know really do feel like that. Um, <laughs> I actually think it, it, it's uh, it, 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 for me it, it was a chance to be in the in the natural environment of the river and learn about the river more than I've ever ever looked at it through a different pair of eyes before you know and we would spot things and see things that I just would not have noticed before um and by the time I warmed up then I felt absolutely great Uh, but it did take me a little while to warm up afterwards because it did get down to three degrees um was the coldest I swam in Yes, that yeah. is cold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. And so one of the main reasons I wanted to get you on the podcast, aside from your master's swimming, which we'll talk about, is because you're a sports psychologist who works with a lot of elite athletes. And I thought that would be really interesting for our master's swimming community. How did you find yourself um, becoming a sports psychologist? What led you there? Uh, do you know, I was a primary school teacher for 25 years and working with sort of children aged between five and 11. Um, I enjoyed teaching. Um, I got a lot out of it, but always, always I had this feeling of could I do something else, but I don't know what it would be. Um, and I got to the point in teaching where I think I was ready for something new. I felt like I'd done it for a long time. And, uh, you know, I was always kind of thinking about it and on the lookout for things, but but just didn't know what to do. Um, And through swimming, I was training with two elite Ironman female athletes at the time who um, was was a great experience to to swim with them. But I was very interested in their psychology because they very much, um, swimming was their kind of weakest discipline in triathlon. And uh, they'd sort of then get on the bike and it was almost like their race then began. And we talked about we talked about the psychology of that quite a bit. And I'd done a psychology degree as my first degree back in my sort of early 20s. And I just kind of got interested in it again. And um, I did a bit of Googling one day and saw that there was a master's in sport and exercise psychology, which didn't exist really. Or a master didn't exist when I was back in the day when I was doing my first degree. And I I read the, the sort of spec and thought that looks really, really interesting. 
And because I'd done a psychology degree, it meant that I could apply and, and do it. I didn't think about it too hard. I'm not an overthinker. And uh, I talked about it to my husband. He said, yeah, why don't you go for it? And suddenly, aged 41 or whatever I was, 42, I found myself doing this master's course, distance learning. And I remember I had such imposter syndrome. I remember thinking, I, I haven't studied for 25 years. I haven't, um, I, I haven't written an essay for, for so long. You know, am I really going to be able to do this? And um, But I started it. It was difficult. It was hard. Um, but I absolutely loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I started applying some of the principles to my own swimming. And I just had something new in my life that I was thoroughly enjoying and um and then I suppose I I sort of carried on teaching part-time did my master's part-time and then it was kind of I got to a point where I thought am I going to continue with this and can I make a career out of it and it kind of went from there really wow that's amazing that's a great story I love it (laughs) (laughs) yeah I mean I, I you know and in a way I feel like I've never really looked back from that point I I was so enjoying, I mean, I had three children at the time. It was, you know, don't get me wrong, it was very difficult balancing everything. I used to get up at sort of four in the morning and sort of be writing an essay before going to teach, before sorting out my children in the evening, you know. But but because I was loving it um, and it was something so new, I I I I, I was very motivated to do it. Um, and so I, I sort of ran um my masters alongside my teaching, and then I sort of started my own consultancy. And it got to the point where I was getting more and more psychology work. And so after a few years, I thought, right, this is the time. And I stopped teaching and, um, and went into sports psychology full time and, and been running my own business since then. Oh, that's amazing. And what, are, what predominantly what type of athletes do you work with um, in the practice? Do you know, um, all sorts of athletes, really. I mean, you know, if I, if I just look at my my you know my client base at the moment I'm working with a you know a a 10 year old and I'm working with um you know an athlete who's just come back from um Tokyo at the Olympics and the Paralympics so you know I have a in in terms of age ability sport um absolute range um and I and I it it doesn't matter to me I I love working with 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 anybody and and um no no matter what their their goals are and why they want to work in psychology I I just find it really fascinating yeah it sounds like a really interesting interesting career what do you find the um the sort of the three most common sort of problems that you without speaking obviously um with uh, people's personal cases but just across the board what sort of three common problems do people come to you with or things that they want to work on um I think uh the f- one of the first ones I would say is um anxiety over races or events that people have you know sort of got in their calendar and they're then they put it in the calendar and then it's like <gasps> you know, am I going to be able to do this? Um, so that that would be certainly be one. Self-confidence is something I work on no, no matter what level the athlete is at. It's it's such a key ingredient for performance. And um, it, it comes out in conversations where people are anxious about things. And there are some really tangible things that you can work on with confidence. So, you know, that will certainly be something. Um, sort of routines as well, preparation and, and sort of pre-performance routines. Um, that might include, well, it can include all sorts of things in a routine, but 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 depending on what, what the client is presenting with, it may be that 
um, the routine is to help manage anxiety, you know, before a race, it might be that they want to, you know, increase their arousal levels and get themselves really pumped up before a race, it might be that they want to visualize the race beforehand. So depending on what we were working on, um, those kind of routines that people can put in place to give them confidence to then go out and execute the performance that they want to. Yeah, you just touched on arousal. Um, I remember from my old uni days, the optimum level of arousal. What do you do with someone who, um, so two two ideas, when they come under aroused to a race and when they're over aroused, can you give them any kind of strategies to bring them to the optimum level to, to race? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it's an interesting one. I mean, the first thing I would do is is talk about what is that optimal state. You know, when have they, when when have you had that that golden moment where you feel like you're you're absolutely in in the moment? Which, you know, I think most athletes would agree. You know, you're always kind of striving for that, but 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 sometimes it can be quite hard to to actually emulate it when you, when you want it. Um, I mean, you know, for for, for athletes who are uh, under aroused I guess in terms of you know that level I mean it could be something as simple as music that they listen to you know that that can be something that that can get people more aroused other people is another great one um talking to the right people um that kind of network around you I think can be really really important um I mean I think particularly in swimming you know there are so many kind of people on the pool deck you know and 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 tapping into people who can help you in that moment I think can be really really useful I mean the kind of athlete who's over aroused um feeling feeling like you know it, it they're slightly out of control possibly with their emotions again some sort of relaxation technique, breathing technique, grounding technique, something like that can help to bring people back to the moment. Um, present thinking, particularly there, is um, can be really key because often mind goes to the future or mind goes to the past, and that can raise anxiety levels depending on what you know the the, the what ifs and the uncertainty of the the future or the maybe something that's happened in the past that hasn't um, gone well that can be in the mind so trying to keep keep present as much as possible can be really helpful then as well yes I think it's reassuring to hear that those are sort of common things across all athletes that it's not just um I tend I think as athletes and maybe even as masters athletes we think we're the only ones experiencing those sort of feelings but they are quite common across most um different sports and and um different people aren't they Oh, I mean, really common, you know, I, I think, um, you know, when I think of the people that I work with, it, it, this, you know, it's similar themes with a 10 year old and it is with somebody who's walking out into an Olympic final. You know, we, we, we get nervous. We're human beings. You know, it's when things matter to us and they're important to us, we we are going to experience feelings of self-doubt. And, and I, I think it's it's uh, it's really common self-doubt. It's how you can learn to manage it to best effect. But. To go into a performance without self-doubt, I actually think it's probably unrealistic if it matters to you. Um, so it's all about learning about yourself and how you respond to things. And are you responding in a way that's the best way for you? And, and you know, as athletes, we're always looking to improve and get better at things. So, so it's like, well, can I improve how I respond? You know, is there something that I could change? Is there, even if it's a small thing, could, could, could it be something that might make a difference to me? And that in turn might then impact my performance. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. 
I think, um, and just going back to something you said before about um, routine, I think during COVID, we've uh, obviously a lot of um, athletes have lost that routine that they're they're sort of um, usually um, tied to with obviously going to training sessions at the pool and and meets that they know are coming up and and I think a lot of athletes, a lot of master swimmers are very goal-driven and because of that uncertainty around COVID, all those goals have disappeared. What kind of advice could you offer to um, someone like that who has that uncertainty around getting back in the water and, and getting back to racing? Yeah, I, I know uh, it, it's it's difficult and it's and it's really tough. You know, I, I spent a lot of time... Um, as we came out of lockdown in this country, speaking to swimmers who were about to go back into the pool. And there was a huge amount of anxiety um, amongst swimmers about a whole range of things because, you know, well, as swimmers, you know, we're very much routine driven, as you say, you know, we're used to training and we enter a meet and we prepare and, and, and suddenly, you know, it's been removed from us and it's been taken away. I, I, I think, um, an adjustment period is 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 the first thing I would say to, to, to people is that, you know, um, accepting that it's different and adjusting to it. And that can take time for different people um, trying to then once you've kind of gone through that period, I think, is is trying to reestablish maybe some different goals, some different um a different outlook maybe a different perspective on what you've had before and there's definitely been experience of loss for people you know a loss of something that's I mean I certainly felt that you know I I, I sort of see it as quite part of my identity being a swimmer and suddenly I wasn't able to do it and and um you know and, and that was hard and so that kind of readjustment I, I think you know my example of sort of going to the river and doing some some winter swimming it meant I was still connected to water it meant I was still connected to some people who I swam with and we could talk about swimming um and and I did a lot of that and it still it meant that I still felt I was still kind of part of of the swimming community even though I couldn't actively go into a swimming pool so um I I think everybody has 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 to sort of find their own way with it really but um I think that sort of acceptance and then readjustment is probably uh the first port of call I would say yeah, yeah, that's sage advice. I like it. <laughs> I think one of the, if I think about master swimmers, I think one of the unique um, things that we experience are, is that when we get older, our times start to get <laughs> slower. What's I know. The, what's the, it's, it's very disappointing, especially when you compare it to your times when you're <laughs> a teenager or younger. So you never reach that PB time, essentially. Mm-hmm. What's a way that, um, you know, master swimmers can deal with that kind of, um, not sadness, but I suppose disappointment? How can they keep yeah, I mean- yeah, I, I think, um, you know, swimming is, is, a, is a sport that is so outcome driven, you know, times matter in terms of selection, in terms of, you know, getting into finals. It's it's really based around times. And 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 I would certainly say, I think as we get older and we do get slower naturally, it, it, it enables us to use the opportunity I would say to 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 focus on more processes you know and actually that 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 could be a healthy way of looking at it if you're just constantly looking at the outcome and 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 you're not achieving that outcome you know time after time you know it's very demoralizing it's actually not going to make you feel good about yourself it's not going to make you feel good about your swimming so um 
the, the more you can look at processes or process goals, you know, the things that you're directly in control of, the things that you can look at to make improvements in, whether that's in your technique, you know, whether it's in your nutrition, whether it's in your psychology, you know, all those types of areas that, that you have control over, you can then have goals within that. And, 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 and if you are looking at processes and seeing progress within those, I think you're much likely to be much more satisfied with your swimming than you are if you're constantly outcome driven. Yes, yeah, I think that's right. I think holding on to the journey and the process that you're following to get there and, and those outcomes with the, the times are sort of a, a happy bonus, I suppose. I think that's Yes, right. as well. And yeah, I think so. And, and, and um, I mean, one, one of the things that I think about the master swimming community is that it really is a community and, and you know, master swimmers have great friends from, from all around the countries where they live, where, where they've met people. And that's part of the experience of swimming. So I know that that's something that I have definitely used in terms of, OK, I'm going to this swimming meet this weekend. And a big part of this is that I'm going to see my friends and 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 be you know, if I if, if I'm disappointed with my swims, I've got this, you know, and this is a really big part of my life and important to me. So yeah, I, I think that's worth thinking about as well. I think so too. That leads me down the path of asking how you got involved with master swimming to start with. Um how did I well, I suppose I swam as a as a you know as a teenager. In, in a swimming club, you know, and, and, and absolutely loved um, swimming. It was something that I really enjoyed doing. I think one of the reasons I went into master swimming was because um, I always had a feeling that I never quite realised my potential as a young swimmer. Um, you know, my parents were quite big on schoolwork rather than swimming. And so I always wanted to do more training than I was actually allowed to do. Um, and uh, and so I think there were, you know, I sort of felt as a master swimmer, I was good at swimming and it's always good to do stuff that you feel good at. So I wanted to get back into it. But I also want to think, well, what, what can I do as a, what can I achieve as a master swimmer? Because I, I always felt like there was sort of something missing when I was younger that maybe I could have gone quicker than I had have done. Maybe I could have take, taken it further than I had have done. So um, that's been a big driver for me. And um I, yeah, I, I started in the, in the 19 to 24 age group, um, yeah. which uh, is, is, is we have here, which is not, you're actually classified as a master at 25 plus, but there were some master's competitions for 19 to 24 years. And that's when I started competing. And I've pretty much competed since then, apart from when I had my children. So I've never really had a break from it. So. Wow, that's amazing. I love, I love <laughs> stories like that. <laughs> And over that time that you've been racing in Masters, what has been your favourite memory in racing? Oh, gosh, my favourite memory in racing. Um, I actually think, yes, I have. And it was um, at, in Budapest when um, we went to the World Champs and it was the first time I'd really been abroad, really, with Masters Swimming. Um, I, I mean, I absolutely loved it. If, if, if anybody listening has been to Budapest, I mean, it's like the swimming capital. It's just the swimming pool, wherever you go, the people there love swimmers. The pool was amazing. Um, you know, I, I, I and again, I, I was with great friends. I knew lots of people who were there and, um, it was, 
it was an absolutely fantastic experience. I loved every single minute of it. And, and, and actually, it's kind of my, my husband wasn't able to go and uh, he's a, a, a master swimmer as well. And I talked about it so much. And, and it's one of the things that we um, that we've agreed in the future that we're going to do. So our, our children this week, actually, have um, my youngest has just left the university. So we're now officially empty nesters. And uh, one of the things that we've decided to do to kind of help us through this period is, is to try and travel a bit more with swimming and, and go to events in different places. Of course, COVID has slightly put a, 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 a halt on that for the moment. But um, that is something that we've planned to do because I think you just get a different experience going to, you know, a, a, another country and, and, and racing against people from, from all over the world. So that, that's something that is definitely in our plans. Yeah. Oh, that sounds like my husband and I, we're in a similar situation and we, mm. except my husband doesn't swim. He um, does athletics. So oh, okay. we probably will look at a few world masters games and he might mm. do the running. I might do the swimming, but sort of outwardly to, to travel to that place and have an experience in another country. I think that's mm. one of the great things about masters, isn't it? You can sort of mm. pack on a holiday at the end and, and really immerse yourself in the culture and, the people around in Master Swimming are just mm. lovely, lovely people. Yes, yes, exactly. And I, and I think it takes you to places that maybe you wouldn't necessarily visit. You know, we, we, yeah. we've done a few swim runs actually um, in the last few years. And again, we've gone to countries that we probably never would have looked at going to. Yeah. Um, and, and it's been such a great experience. So, um, yeah, definitely something to continue with. Yeah, absolutely. And when you are back in, in training, how many sessions would you do a week? Like what's a, a typical week for you when we're not in lockdown and <laughs> back? Um, I, yeah, I probably do about four to five sessions a week, I would say. And I do some um, of those with the Cambridge Triathlon Club here because uh, my husband's a coach there and the pool's just up the road. It's nice and convenient. But that tends to be aerobic front crawl because triathletes don't do any other stroke apart from front crawl. <laughs> and if they do, they complain about it. They don't really like it. <laughs> That's true. Um, and then I do the, the other sessions I do myself. And um, I I have a, a, a guy, Glenn, who... Um, Glenn Christensen, who sends me sessions, uh, breaststroke specific sessions, um, because breaststroke is is uh, sort of a been my goal of, of of trying to improve and get faster at that. So um, yeah, so I do a bit of both club and 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 things on my own. Yeah, and hundred or two hundred breaststroke. What's your sort of favorite? Yeah, 100 breaststroke, definitely. 200 definitely feels a bit long for me. I've always classed myself as a sprinter, but that's another thing as a master, actually, that I think, you know, talking, you know, talking about setting yourself new goals is that because I was a sprinter when I was younger, um, I just assumed I would be a sprinter as a master, but actually, um, well, I know 100 metres is a sprint, really, but I was always a 50 metre sprinter. So, so actually, I, I, I'm more successful at hundreds now than I am at 50s. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I've had new challenges there. Yeah, that, that's interesting. I think, yeah, a lot of us lose a bit of speed as we get older, definitely. And I think mm. a lot of people find that they push out to the uh, longer events. Mm, yes, yeah. yeah. I, I'm not sure I would go over 200 with anything, but uh, <laughs> 200's <laughs> my limit. <laughs> and it, uh, what would be your favourite breaststroke set? Give us a breaststroke set that you enjoy doing. Oh, a breaststroke set that I enjoy doing. Um, 
uh, let me think what one have I done um recently that I really enjoyed um well at the moment I'm enjoying actually putting some some sprint work in so I did uh, so sort of doing a 50 and then a 100 and then a 150 um kind of twice through or something like that so it's anaerobic you know you're going as hard out you know um long rest um and just yeah short short and sort of sharp I guess is probably my preferred um but my legs are suffering from, from having done that this week <laughs> How how far would you typically go in one session? How many um, K? I tend to do about 3K in a session, um, two and a half to 3K, probably if I'm doing a breaststroke set. I mean, having said that, I did a 5K at the weekend um, with the Tri Club. So with, with the Tri Club, they're, they're my sort of what I call my whatever sessions. So they're the ones that, you know, I'll, I'll just go with what's, what's ever being set, um, depending on how long or short it is. But, but the breaststroke ones are kind of much more specific. Yes, that, 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 you know, I think that's a psychological thing, having a whatever session. Um, I just think it, it gives you flexibility within your week, you know. So, so I say four or five sessions. So I always commit to four, but I always have a whatever session. So it's like if I'm, if I'm up for it, if I'm feeling motivated, if I've got time, I'll go and do the extra one. But if I haven't, it, it, it's, it's whatever. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and have you got any um, competitions on the horizon in Britain? Are you, are you back to having Masters comps on? Uh, we are not very many, but we are. So I did one um, a couple of weeks ago, which was, oh, it was just so great to be back racing again. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, but the national champs are coming up at the end of October, um, which if you're a master swimmer in the UK, you will find everybody in Sheffield at the last week of October. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and it's going yeah, to be great to be racing there again. Yeah, and that that includes obviously swimmers from Scotland, Wales, Ireland. Because it's the yes, United yes. Kingdom Masters. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, so so any any anybody from 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 those countries can go. Yeah, yeah. And how many people would you expect there? Like, what's the well, I know that they've um, they've slightly limited entries, I think, but they're going to do another entry. Um, in, in, a, in a week or so's time as well. So, um, I mean, usually there's hundreds of swimmers there. I mean, you can can often have, you know, over 100 people in, in, in an event, 150 people in, in, in an event in one particular age group sometimes. So um, whether they're going to allow that, that number or not, I'm not too sure. But um, as I say, usually the whole city of Sheffield is overtaken by master swimmers. Every hotel is filled with master swimmers. Wherever you go, there are master swimmers. So it's, it really is a, a big event in this country. For, for master swimming and, and it's a it's a great fun one too which is why people keep going back yeah sounds fantastic and do you schedule much um dry land work into your training week strength and conditioning <laughs> it's a good question um yes i have done am i reliable and consistent at doing it probably no if i'm being honest um in lockdown, I did a huge amount, actually, and that was something that was quite new that I, I did a lot of. We, we, we basically brought our swimming sessions onto land and my husband and I spent every week in our front sitting room giving sessions to the Tri Club. Um, trying to do land-based swimming work um, I, I'm not doing nearly as much as I was doing in lockdown, but I am I am trying to do some things myself um, because I do think it has it has made a real difference to my swimming doing it so I'm trying to keep it going but it's not my favorite thing to do I much prefer being in the water yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. absolutely and 
what I was going to ask was, um, do you find that, and a little bit back to the psychology side of things, do you find being an athlete yourself helps you um, sort of have an empathy with the people, the athletes that you deal with? So I, I, I think it does. I mean, I, you know, I do work with a lot of swimmers and I work for the National Governing Body Swim England. So, some, you know, swimming clients are a big, a big uh, portion of the, 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 the athletes that I do work with. And I know that they certainly appreciate the fact that I have a swimming background. I think where it helps particularly is that I understand the language of swimming, the vocabulary. You know, they can come in and say, oh, you know, I you know, I broke sub 60 on 100 freestyle. And that means something to me, you know, and and, and so I think that that particularly for swimmers is is really, really important. Um, but 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 the, the fact that I've kind of gone through, you know, I know what it's like getting stressed before a race um, is exactly the same whether people are in swimming or whether they're, you know, walking out onto the cricket pitch or they're, you know, um, shooting an arrow in archery you know that, that that actually there are a lot of common themes within sports so having been part of sport I guess I, I have that um affinity to it um so I, I mean I think for me as well as a practitioner I have more confidence in talking about performance environments as a result of the fact that I've you know spent a lot of time in them Yes, absolutely. And I know you touched on um, saying before that you were working with um, an athlete returned from Tokyo. Britain had an amazing um, Tokyo Olympics with swimming. Uh, what are you doing over there that's um, pushing you so far ahead? Because a few years ago, um, mm. yeah, it wasn't quite like yeah. that. We we had a yeah it was an it was amazing for the swimmers in Tokyo. Do you know I think there is a real buzz about the team. Um, a lot of the uh, the athletes or the swimmers are of similar age. They 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 you know a lot of them train together in 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 groups and I, and I think there's a real sense of fun and competition amongst them. Um, it's been tough for people to get places at Tokyo because there are so many swimmers who are kind of really right on that. Um, time-wise they're all very very similar so it's been extremely competitive to actually get a place at the Olympics um, and I think they're really good friends you yeah. know I think that's there really is a, a real sense of kind of a community with the swimmers at the moment and I think they're, they're kind of feeding off each other and um, and it's clearly really been working. Yeah I mean especially your four by two um, men's relay that was amazing and I had to have the yeah. depth there for the relay um, yes. that's that's great yeah, but again that I mean that that you know as I was saying that that, that they were the the, uh, the the team that I was thinking of because there were there were a lot of people who never went to Tokyo who easily could have got into that relay in in any other year you know um so it's yeah very hotly contested that relay and yeah. it was yeah fabulous to watch yeah that, that was really good it's going to make the Commonwealth Games next year very exciting it is very exciting. Yeah, no, really looking forward to that. And obviously it's in Birmingham in the UK. So, um, yeah, that will be fantastic. People are already starting to talk about it. Yeah. Will you be heading to watch that? Um, I hope so, yes. I mean, I'm hoping that, um, I, you know, I might get to go and work there. Um, but if I'm not working there, then I'll try, definitely try and get tickets and um, and see some of the swimming because, I yeah, it would be fantastic to do that. Yeah. It's only an hour or so up the road from me, so very convenient. So <laughs> yeah, so close, yeah. Did you did you get to um, London 2012? Did you see the swimming um, events there? Do you know I didn't, and it was a really big disappointment. Um, I don't I don't know if people will be aware, but there was a, a 
a big problem with tickets or trying to get tickets for London 2012. As a family, we sat down, we decided what we wanted to go and see. We spent ages deciding. And then the ticket allocation came out and we we, we had nothing. We literally, oh. we, we hadn't got any tickets. And I was, we were so disappointed because, I mean, for me, it's been a lifelong dream to, to go and watch an Olympic Games. You know, as a little girl, I watched the Olympics avidly. I absolutely loved it. And I, I was so, so disappointed. Um, as it turned out, we did manage to get, I got some tickets through a friend to see some of the athletics and we actually got to watch it on Super Saturday, which um, was when Britain did extremely well with Mo Farah, Greg Rutherford and, and Jessica Ennis. And, and it was absolutely amazing. So um, my children weren't able to go. We only got two tickets for it. Um, so so I, I did get to see something, but I didn't get to the pool. I didn't get to see any of the swimming, which was a big disappointment. Yes. Yeah, it's so hard. Mm. I remember when we had the Olympics here in 2000, um, you had to go on a ballot and apply for everything. And I applied for every swimming session and you actually had to pay your money up front. And yep. for several months, you didn't know whether you got it. And you, you got a mm. refund, obviously, if you didn't get the sessions that you wanted. But um, yeah, that was a lot of money to outlay to maybe yes. not even get anything. And we did get one final session, which was amazing oh. and um, oh, the yeah. highlight yeah the highlight of everything we saw some gold medals from Australia and it was yeah it was wonderful so yeah it's it's certainly uh, it's an amazing thing going to the Olympics and um and watching as a spectator as well certainly in your home country yeah so. oh yes I mean I remember coming out of the stadium um after the athletics and and everybody was just looking at each other going I can't believe we've witnessed this I can't believe we've witnessed this and even now people talk about Super Saturday and how amazing it was at the Olympics and so you know although we didn't get any other session the, the one session that we did get was absolutely incredible yeah. and, and yeah, a memory that will last uh, my lifetime it, it really was a, a an amazing day yeah absolutely well, Helen, thank you so much for talking to us today and, and sharing your perspective about sports psychology and your journey as a master swimmer. It's been terrific connecting. And I think all the uh, podcast listeners are going to love hearing um, all of the advice that you've given today. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me. I've really enjoyed talking to you, Danielle. And uh, yeah, keep swimming, everyone. It's a, such a great sport. Thanks yeah, for having me. Absolutely. Okay, take care, Helen. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks to Helen for sharing all of these strategies and ideas with us today. If this discussion has brought up any issues for you, please talk to your medical practitioner. Don't forget we're taking a small break with the end of season two, but we'll be back bigger and better in season three in a few weeks time. In the meantime, like, follow and share. Happy swimming and bye for now.